Okay, so tonight we're going to be continuing in the Aleph base with Rav Kook with Os Gimel. Now, just like with Os Aleph and Os Beis, we're going to need a little bit of an introduction of sorts to properly understand what Rav Kook is coming to do with the Os Gimel. Now, as an introduction to the introduction, I guess, Gimel is the first letter where singularity opens up to multiplicity. Um, as we'll see, the, the Os Aleph represented, as we spoke about, the Kayach HaGvul, the Gvul, the original capacity within the infinite to manifest infinitude. But as we stress from the Lashem and from Rav Kook and from Rabbeinu Azriel and from the Arizal and from all of our Tzadikim, the Kayach HaGvul, in spite of the fact that it's limited, Klape Ein Sof itself, it still has the valence, it still has the nature of infinitude because it's so lofty, it's the lowest aspect, if you will, of the infinite. So klapai us, vis-a-vis our perception, it's the loftiest place. So although Aleph is the first inception point of counting or something that can be captured in number or even in the realization that we can't truly grasp it with language, which is still a certain level of language, although a non-linguistic form of language, rather a wondrous type of expression, the Pella of the Aleph, in spite of that, it's still infinite, Klapeos. Now, the Os Beis, as we discussed last week, is the first instantiation, the first inception point, the first manifestation of the Kli, of the Halal Hapanui, of the vacant space, wherein and in which the Kayach the capacity towards limitation, can begin to manifest. And we spent some time discussing what Rav Kook describes as the different partitions of the Ospeis, the partition on top and the partition on the bottom, which need to be strong in order to block out the Orin Sof, as well as the thin parochas, if you will, the thin line on the right side of the Ospeis, which is there to ensure that even the remaining light that enters into the space of existence not be strong enough to the point that it overwhelms the Kalim themselves. But as it stands, the Ospeis is simply the preparation for Kalim. The Ospeis is not a Kli itself. It's the, the beginning of multiplicity, the entry point away from Aleph into the space of the many, into the space of limitation, into the space of duality and duplicity and Klipa and Shvira and all the things that we associate with Shnios or, or duality in the world. Now the Os Gimel, if the Ospeis is the potential of the Kli, is the Halal HaPanui, the space of the vessels, then Oskimel is going to be the vessels themselves. And, and here it's important that we stop for a second to understand what the vessels actually are. Last week we spoke about how the vessels are nothing but the residual lights themselves that have kind of contracted themselves and congealed into a certain remainder that can no longer return back to the infinite source. But here we're going to be talking about real kalim, kalim that actually begin to be meaningful within the system of the Arizal, within the system of the Mikubalim, in terms of being the corollary or the oppositional factor vis-a-vis the Orod. So we have Orod and we have kalim, but by the Os Gimel, we're going to start actually finding kalim doing their job properly, not still in the space of kind of the paradoxical being both a Kli and not a Kli. In Oskimo, we're actually going to find a, a physical Kli, the, the manifestation of vessels. Now, here we have to come on to the major question that the Arizal asks in the beginning of Eitz Chaim in Shari Gulim Biyoshar, and he also deals with it in Shara Klolim and Rav Chaim Vital's compilation of his notes. But the simple question is, why did Hashem create the world? 
right? So we, we know how Hashem created the world, Kaviachal from Eitzchayim. We know that it was through Tzimtzum, through this paradoxical act of contraction that was for the sake of disclosure. But the question is why? Meaning from the point that Hashem allows us, so to speak, to try and understand the, the impenetrable will of the divine, the Kad Salat Biruusa, as the Zohar describes it, this irrational, unconscious will of godliness, Kaviachal, that arises out of nowhere, this kind of autogenesis that is not inspired by any external inspiration, by any external factor, but rather arises from within itself through the inner sha'ashua, through the inner movement, this josiance, if you will, this movement back and forth to and fro within the individual to the point that it's ola me'atzmo, uminei ubei kavyachal, as the Svarim tell us, Hashem creates the world without any secondary cause of his will. So here we have to try and understand why Hashem did it. And the Arizal offers two answers. The Arizal offers one answer it is described in Igulim Viyoshar as being Hashem, so to speak, has certain capacities and potentia, has certain shemos, has certain, certain to'arim, certain ways that he wants to interact with human beings through the aspect of malchus, of kingship, through the aspect of rachamim, through mercy, um, through the aspect of fear and judgment and, and fairness. Hashem, so to speak, wants to be able to interact with his children, wants to be able to interact in the world through all of these different valences and veils and guises and facades that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has the capacity to be mislabation. And the Arizal says, based on the Zohar and Parshas Bo, that the purpose of the creation of the world is in order for the world to know Hashem through all those valences, through all those different forms and manifestations and shemot and names and particular modes of governance that Hashem interacts with the world through. So in order for Hashem to do that, he needed to create a world, Kavyachal, because Ein Melech Am, there is no king without a nation, and without otherness, without separation, without differentiation, there would have been no place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to interact and play this game of being. So the Arizal and Igulim Biosha describes the fundamental purpose, the why of creation is so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could fully manifest himself, Kavyachal. And the Ramak and the Rambam and and the Rebbe Rashab in, in Hemshech Samechvav deal at length with the theological and philosophical difficulties of such an idea of implying that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is chaser kavyachol, that he lacks something without being fully manifested and present. But that as it may, we're deeply aware of the fact that Hashem wanted, so to speak, to reveal himself in the world in order that the Jewish people should recognize him. Later on in Eitzchayim and Shah HaKlalim, the Arizal says something else. The Arizal says a more familiar idea that we're familiar with, which is that the reason Hashem created the world was because of chokatov lahetiv, that the pure nature of good, the pure essence of good is to do good for other people. And the truest form of good is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be able to be mashpia, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be able to express his goodness and his capacity towards goodness to creatures other than him. So Hashem, so to speak, created the world in order to be mashbiya tova on a person. And here the Ramchal becomes very important because the idea in the Ramchal is that in order for human beings and creation to receive the good in its fullest form, to receive the good in its fullest capacity, they need to be able to do it through their own volition based on a Gemara in the Yerushalmi, which describes the production of certain plants that up to a certain year 
are facing their mother plant. And then at the point of maturity, that plant turns away from its mother. And the Gemara has a Lashon there where it says that from here we learn that a person who receives a gift, an act of grace from another person without truly deserving it, is embarrassed to look the other person in the face. That on a certain psychological level, on an anthropomorphic psychological level, Hashem understood that human beings need to earn through their own volition, through their own bechira, through their own free will, the good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has prepared for us. And therefore, in order to ensure that human beings have the capacity towards choice, towards Bechira, like we spoke about last week, that there is no Bechira without a base. There is no Bechira without choosing one or the other and making a difficult decision. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to apply a certain level of concealment and differentiation and separation so that human beings will operate within the necessary concealment, the necessary hester, so that the choices that they make are difficult enough to be ola as if they were our own choices. So according to the Arizal and Shara Kalim, we have a secondary reason for the creation of the world, which is that the good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give over to human beings is one that is contingent on concealment. And this is where the Kalim really come into play, that in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to fully carry out the plan, the original plan, um, the first inception of the thought of God, if you will, of creation, there needs to be the necessary mechanisms of concealment so that the individual can pierce those veils and choose their own volition through the hester and the hastir astir and the concealment and the, and the double concealment to still choose in spite of it all to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Ramchal makes a big asek out of this in his parish on Otsras Chaim. He brings up the fact that the Arizal brings down two different reasons. The first reason, as we discussed in Igulim Viyoshar in Eitz Chaim, is going to be that in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be fully known in all of his potential, there needs to be others. There needs to be an Am that is able to be Makabel the Melech. And in Shah HaKlalim, what seems to be a Machlokas, according to some people, which is that the reason Hashem created the world is Kichokatov Lehetiv, that the greatest form of good is a good that can be earned. And in order for human beings to earn it and not be overwhelmed by the explicit presence of God, there needs to be a necessary form of concealment. So the Ramchal in his parish on Otsar Chaim in the back of Ginze Ramchal, put out by Rav Yosef Spinner and Rav Chaim Friedlander in the green volumes, the Ramchal quotes both reasons, and he says the main Ikka reason is the second reason, which means And for the Ramchal, that's one of the fundamental bedrocks and foundation stones, or Evan Shesiot, of his entire system, which is basically that all concealment, all Hester, all Pirut, all secondness, all duality, all distortion, all suffering, all personal suffering, is all for the sake of eventually revealing the greatness of the choice that we made in history to still believe in God in spite of it all. And in the future, Be'ezra Sashem, we will, we will receive a gift of tenfold the amount that we would have received have we not had to choose. For Rav Cook, as someone who fully and fundamentally follows the Shitos of the Ramchal, at least according to Rav David Kohn the Nazir, in the back section of Kola Nevua, the Nazir stresses at length how Rav Cook simply claimed to spread out or explicate the right of the Ramchal. Rav Cook sees the formation of Kalim this first instantiation, this first inception point of actual vessels that will now conceal the light of unity, that will conceal the Pela Elyon, Rav Kook sees this 
as a purposeful act, a, a purposeful minimization and concealment of divinity in the world for the sole fact that human beings need to earn it and reveal and disclose a deeper level of Kedusha and a deeper level of Amuna. All Hester, all Kalim, all containment, all limitation. And as a result of that, the symptoms that come from there, which are the suffering and which are the pain and which are the, the, the Svekos and the Bilbulim and the anxiety that every individual experiences throughout history. The entire purpose of all of that is so that human beings can earn the good that they deserve, which in the future will be revealed to be the greatest level of good unimaginably greater than good that would have been exposed had there not been Bechira. And this is the foundation point for of Cook in the letter Gimel, that the process into actual Kalim, the process into concealment, appears at first glance to be a descent from unity. It appears at first glance to be a traumatic fall away from the clarity and the unity of godliness before the creation of the world. But in reality, when a person penetrates the ideas enough, they recognize that it is a Yerida It is a Shvira Almanas Latakin. It is a traumatic break in order that the person repair themselves, in order that the person work through their issues and eventually come to find their experience to be one of greater intensity, greater severity, greater veracity, and greater connection and dveikus takadish baruchu. That without the vessels, without concealment, without Hester, without Gullus, there would have been no capacity to touch this level. One of my favorite teachings is brought down from the Balhatanya in the name of the Balshemtov on the Pasuk of Kain Bakodesh Chazi Sicha Uchvodecha, the song made famous by the Admore Chabad. And the Balatanya says something nifla in a few words. He says, Kain Bakodesh Chazi Sicha, that so too in the time of the Besamikdash we should perceive you. The Balatanya reads it as Halavai Shabizman Habitamikdash Kayim. Zochim Liros it should only be that we should be Zochet to grasp you when the Beis HaMikdash is built on the same level that we were capable of grasping you in the time of Galus. That there is a certain necessity, a certain intensification and potentiation of the religious experience, dafka in the makom of darkness, daika, as Rabbi Nachman would say, afal pikein, as Rabbi Nachman would say, specifically primarily in the spaces of concealment and distance, that's where a person has to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as we'll see, this is all deeply connected to the letter Gimel. We're going to read Rav Kook now. The Lashon in Os Gimel is very beautiful. It's a little bit clearer than Os Aleph and Bez. And we're going to stop at certain points where it appears to me, at least, that Rav Kook is utilizing external sources to kind of build his interpretation of the Os Gimel. Oskimel goes as follows, and, and the words of Rav Kook should, should awaken that place in us that can only be awoken through the words of the tzaddik like Rav Kook. Now that the content, now that the content of existence, the content of beings in existence, all the different things, the objects, the subjects, and, and when Rav Kook says this, it's important not to get caught up in the poetic and even philosophical language of of existence into its limitation. What Rav Kook means when he says the, the coming of 
being and existence into limitation, he's talking about each of us. He's talking about each of us in our day-to-day lives, each Jewish neshama and its experiences, the ups, the downs, the positive, the negative, the svekos, the vadai, the anxiety, the amuna, the bitachon, the shalom bias, the, the raising children, the parnasa issues, the experience of gullus. He's talking about every single aspect that the Jewish person will find themselves in. So these teachings, although the poetic nature of them calls for a certain klaliyut, a certain expansive and universal interpretation, especially when Rav Kook is writing in Dulles and trying to find that salve for his neshama, trying to find the relief to his anxiety, kavyachal, it's important that we also try and apply, at least according to my humble opinion, that we try and apply some of these teachings to our own psychological mindsets as well. After existence and being has found its way into limitation through the Os Aleph and through the Os Beis, the scales are weighed one against the other. Now here Rav Kook is describing something of a dialectical process which many interpreters of Rav Kook have seen, obviously not in the guise of Hegel's dialectic, but in, in a way that transcends and, and sort of elevates Hegel's dialectic. Hegel was not a friend of the Jews. Hegel couldn't truly understand the fact that we couldn't fully grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He felt that that was a bad faith, so to speak, that any faith that can't fully seize and grasp what it is that they believe in, according to Hegel's dialectical theory, is going to be considered you know, a, a bad faith. Faith. And he describes the faith of Abraham as one that is perpetually deferring HaKadosh Baruch Hu, always saying that we can't quite grasp it. And, and Lo Yodea Matnitz Nave, he, he didn't know what he was prophesizing at that moment, but if we look back at Rav Kook and Osalif, we see that that's very explicit what Rav Kook is trying to say. The godless of Am Yisrael, the godless of Klai Yisrael is that we are deeply aware that we can't fully grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that all of our language, all of our capacity to understand Hashem is dafka through Targum. So Hegel, in his, in his negative statements about the Jewish faith and Avraham Avinu's faith, is, is in fact actually reasserting the value of our faith, in my opinion. So here, Rav Kook is saying that the weights are, are measured one against the other. And the existence of judgment and fairness. That returns action for action, mida kenegad mina, in a form of judgment that repays the actions done, that hanhaga, that ability of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create a space in the world where there's judgment and where my actions will be responded to with a like action of, of tov vira, of good and bad, of schar onesh, of reward and punishment, of being held responsible, of being responsible for our actions, that is what is slowly now coming into being with the Oskimel. Now, Rav Kook, in, when he uses the Lashon of Ne'erachu ha-mishkalem elu keneged elu, he's utilizing a, a very particular imagery of the scales. Now, if we look in the Tzafaditz Niusa, one of the fundamental Mishnos, really, of the Zohar, of Kabbalah, now the beginning, the beginning Mishnah of Tzafaditz Niusa reads as follows, Tana, Tzafaditz Niusa, it's taught that the book of concealment, the book of modesty, the book that reveals that the entire essence of our faith is a faith of modesty that can't fully be revealed. Safar the Shakil ben Miskala. It is a book that is weighed. It is a book that is measured on weights. And the Safar Disnusa goes on to say, Tana, it, it, it's written in the Mishnah, Ad mitkala, until the point that there was no scales, mishkachen apen ba'apen. There was no face-to-face experience. 
And the Vilna Gaon, in one of his most famous svarim, which is his parish on Safaditz Nusa, the Vilna Gaon stresses in numerous places that these mishkalim, this mitkala, mitkala is the Aramaic translation of a mishkal, which is a weight, this mishkal is the fact that a Kaddish Baruch Hu created in the world a series of opposites, one side of the scale versus the other side of the scale, tov versus ra, concealment versus revelation, light versus darkness, the binary oppositions through which the entirety of existence operates. And until this mishkala, until this mitkala, until this mishkala, until this weight was set up, there was no mitzias of mishpat. There was no ability for a person to be bocher. The kalim had not been built yet so as to secure the necessary level of limitation so that choice is actually choice. And so Rav Kook here is coming to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu places this mishkala, HaKadosh Baruch Hu places this weight within the world. And now that this weight is within the world, Hashem has the ability to be gomel gmul, which is meloshon gimel, that gmul, which means repayment for our actions, is the same language as the os gimel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can now operate the world on a level of mishpat, on a level of starva onesh, which again, only deepens our experience. Gam yitair, Rav Kuk continues, the os gimel also describes she'elu asher hayu kiyonkim mishtei that those who were in the Bechina, in the mushal of those who were nursing from their mothers, which again is connected to the Os Gimel, meaning those who were still nursing from their source, those who were still deeply connected at the stage of infancy when the next level of existence is too young, too immature to actually stand on its own because it would be destroyed, because it would, overbecome, it would be overcome by Hester. So the child needs to nurse. The child is not independent yet. It's still dependent on its source. The Metzius, which is still connected to the foundation that gives it life from the beginning of creation, meaning Rav Kook is saying here that at this point, the Osgimel, Kalim, separation, the Olam, Melashon He'elem, the world from the language of He'elem and concealment, has not yet fully manifested into a place of maturity to stand on its own. That until now, until the Osgimel, we were still nursing from our mothers. We were still dependently connected. We were back to back, so to speak, achor ba'achor, connected in a deep way, yet embarrassed to look our source in the face, embarrassed to have a face-to-face relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, like the Safar Ditznusa says. Rav Kook goes on to say that over here in the Osgimel, nigamlu v'na'asu omdim betochen miyuchan la'atzmam, they wean themselves off. Meloshon gmul, meloshon nigmal. Biyom higamales Yitzchak. That Avram Avinu makes a, a celebration on the day that Yitzchak is able to wean off of his hashpa'a. That it's one thing to be dependent on the parent, dependent on the spiritual source. It's another thing to separate oneself from the spiritual source and then return face-to-face. We learn this by the Kavanos of Purim with the Nesira, that Dafka Bizman Hester, Dafka Bizman of the surgical separation between the parent and the child from that, in de- that dependent back-to-back relationship. Dafka there, we have the ability to create a deeper relationship that comes from volition and that comes from a deeper level of the soul, which is why um, the Rebbe of Baruch used to say that a remez to Purim in the Torah is in the Pasuk of Bayom Higamal Es Yitzchak. Mm-hmm. Higamal is Osios Megillah. Because Dafgan Purim, we see in the Kavanos that there's an Asira, that the Jewish people are sleeping. And we lost that back-to-back 
dependency in order to re-enter into a relationship through our own will without kfiya, to return face-to-face through our own volition, to choose it and to reveal a deeper level of kedusha. So over here, of Cook says, by the Oskimel, Negamlu Vinasu Omdim Betochan Miuchadatsmam, that the Kalim and existence are now weaned off of their original source of infinitude, and now they're able to stand on their own. And existence, if you will, and again, it's important to know that Rav Kook is not claiming, God forbid, that existence is now separate from God. What he's claiming is that this is the entrance, this is the entry into the place where God conceals his existence. So it's still present, the symptom is lav kipshuto. Even if you say that symptom is kipshuto, it's lav kipshuto, like the Lashem shows us. Even if you want to say it's an absolute removal, it's still not an absolute removal, like Rabbi Nachman teaches us in Torah Samach by El Paro, that at the end of the day, all we have is Amuna and Shtika, and we're the Ivriim who cross over this paradoxical question. That here, now we have the ability for existence to grow on its own. Megadlim metochiusam, they grow out of themselves. Ayidei tnu asam ha'atzmit ha'mechuvenet. An essential and self-sufficient act. Atzmiut personality no longer dependent on the sources of our youth, no longer dependent on our parents, on Kedusha, on, on things being absolute. But rather now in the space of Suffolk, we actually have the ability to turn and make the decision on our own, an essential decision. And here of Cook says that the purpose of the separation is not, God forbid, for an essential separation, but rather so that the individualized and now independent creature, the independent individual, the person who is no longer overwhelmed by the presence of the parents, by the presence of God, by the presence of Kedusha, but now lives in a world of suffolk and, and self and ego and all the different vistitudes of ego and all of the different concealments and distortions that we live with, now we have the ability to draw forth from a deeper level of Ein Sof. We have a deeper ability to draw from the deepest place within ourselves a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mechayim HaRoshim, from a place higher than the Ospeis, from the Aleph itself, Kav Yochol. Meim Romim, Rav Kook says, from the lofty heights. Me'iloi Hadargos. And here Rav Kook is now going to get into the tochin, into the shape of the Os Gimel, and, and it's Kedai to do a short introduction because this is going to be a recurring theme in the way that Rav Kook shows us the Osios. Based on our Mekubalim and even based on Chazal in numerous places, the impression is that the Osios themselves are simply built on the connections between Vavs and Yuds. Vav being a line or a Kav or a Ray, and the Yud being a point. Now the point and the Ray being the two simplest modes of geographic space and diagramic space, these serve as the basic building blocks. But for Rav Kook, it's not only a geographic or an architectonic shape, but rather it, it, it's endowed with a certain spiritual capacity that the Vav represents a hamshacha, a, a kav, a connection, the vaveha amudim, a, a connection to something from one level to another. So it already represents relationality or the relationship between one thing and the other. The Yud, on the other hand, in its self-containment, the smallest point on a graph, the point which contains the all, which in its minusculality, in its minimal nature, contains everything within its infinite, infinitesimal infinitude, within the smallest irreducible place. So the Vav and the Yud represent on a certain level for Rav Kook different manifestations of a Baruch Hu. The Vav is more of a 
contains connection between explicit levels, and the yud is where the levels are all contained prior to their actual manifestation. So this is going to be an introduction that we're going to go over in numerous places because most of the letters are going to have this relationship that Rav Kook sees between the vav part of the letter and the yud part of the letter, on the, on the yud part of the letter. Me'iloi hadargos ad from the loftiest level to the lowest, Yardu hamitsuyim kifitoar hachelak shal hatsura havavit shal haos. From the loftiest space of creation, from the Aleph, from the Pela Elyon, from the Kayacha Gvul, Bibilti Gvul, existence has lowered itself, has descended, ad tahtitehem, to their bottom. Existence has lowered itself like the image of the Vav of the Os Gimel that goes from the top to the bottom. Vishiflus hatahtiyut. And at the lowest, degraded, lowest level of the os, b'makom asher yitz'aru v'yichshachu ha'inyanim ha'muzrachim b'midasam ha'yoter mitzumtzama. In the place where the enlightened and radiant aspects of spirituality, yitz'aru, yud sadi ayin reshvav, which means atsur, which means stops, but also means tsar. Because the manifestation of spirituality into physicality, the limitation of a Kaddush Baruch Hu's presence for Rav Kook, is both an act of stopping and containment, and at once an act of tsar, when a person, an, an act of pain, of an inner pain, but a pain that's necessary, a pain that's necessary for growth, the, the gmul, the weaning away from the mother, the movement from dependency into independency, from, from being consumed by the sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere and everything and that everything is good and entering into that lower space of doubting that and svekos and a lack of amuna and all the difficulties that we find in that place. A person now stops and they also experience a tsar. And a person who reads Rav Kook's Chadarav, his personal journals, will see all over the place, this tsar, this pain that Rav Kook both saw as painful and fundamentally necessary for the birth process of any spiritual growth. That in this place, in the Gimel, those lightened, those enlightened and radiant objects are now stopping and becoming darker in their most contained hayotermin tsumtsama. Yachel haribui hamispari bitsurasa hamugvala. Here, numerical multiplicity takes root. We're no longer dealing with two. We're no longer dealing with one. Now we're dealing with three. Now we're dealing with a, a number that represents its own territory. Three is a chazaka. Shin is, according to the Maharal, the, the highest level right before pure separation of the Ostaf. Three is already difficult to identify the unified source within it. Two is one thing because, as we said, the Ostbez is still contained within infinitude. The Ostbez is still at the level prior to actual manifestation of limit. But here in the Os Gimel, we now begin to find three, which is no longer containable, which is no longer explicitly unified. And we see the entrance of Haribui Hamispari Bitsuratsa Hamugvala, the lowest level of numerical multiplicity. Because again, three is still the lowest number of it, but from three and onwards, and we'll see this throughout in Rav Kook, from three and onwards, numbers mean something different. One and two is one thing, three and onwards is different because there you're already dealing with a certain riboy that comes with Kalim. The three here is explicit in the Arizal and in Eitzchayim that everything in the world operates according to three. We have Chesed, Din, and Rachamim. We have Yemin 
min small and emsa. We have ish, isha, and Akadush Baruch We have shacharis, minchan, mara. We have avram, yitzchak, and yaakov. We have kohanim, levian, and Yisraelim. We have Yisrael, Yishmael, and Edom. We have the three batim mikdashim. We have, we have, we have Tanakh. We have Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. And the list goes on and on. And we have Chachma, Bina, and Das. And everything in the world is now contained in three. And that's where the concealment comes from. Because in reality, the three is really only two, which is only one. But as we'll see, that comes later on. But at this point in Gimel, where the Kalim begin to manifest, it's difficult to find that. The numerical multiplicity in its limited form. A number that represents the fact that in the future, we will come onto numbers that will no longer have the explicit presence of unity in them. A person can find tough. A person can find 400 and doubt that there's the Aleph there. But again, as we said in the beginning of the introduction of Tidishirim, that through the Amuna that the Balshamtov infuses into the Osios, it's important to remember that Tuf is nothing but the iteration of 400 Alephs. But still, once we enter into the space of multiplicity for Rav Kuk, we're talking about a place where in the future, as we move on from Dalit to Hey to Vav, Bechule, Bechule, so we're already entering into a space where unity is no longer apparent, which is why, as we'll see, Bezra Hashem, when we get to the Tagen part, the Tagen are those hooks that connect the black letter to the infinite space of the white space. Dafka the Osgimel is the first level letter that needs a Tag because Dafka the Osgimel is the one that's most dangerous and susceptible to falling into duality. So it needs that extra hook. It needs that koach of Rabbi Akiva, who is Dorish, Kisre Osios, and the Tage Tagen to recognize that even there we find Kedusha. Ekev <clears throat> HaGimel, the heel of the Gimel, Shebetoar Yud, that looks like the Yud on the bottom left. That a thin and delicate connection connects this yud at the bottom to the vav. <clears throat> looks to us, and if you look at the letter, it looks like the hoof, it looks like the foot of an animal. It, it, it imagines, it conjures up this image for us of the regular and thick-legged animals, that is expressed in the image of the camel. Gimel and gamal, again, are going to be the same word. Gamal, this camel, which represents this thickened animal, which represents the entry into a place of the midbar, into concealment, into heaviness. And Rav Kuk goes on to say, the, the image of physical heaviness, the camel carrying its weight and thirsty and carrying all the burdens of the people traveling in the desert. The akamutava and heavy quantity, again, quantity being connected to multiplicity and numbers, which is already a movement away from unity. So the, the gimel, or the bottom part of the gimel, the foot, the hoof of the gimel, that yud that pokes out from the bottom of the vav, for of cook represents the camel. This vehicle, if you will, that transitions from unity into multiplicity and into separation. Here by the Osgimel is the only place and the first place within the Aleph base, after Aleph and base, that the, ga- the camel and the Gimel finds its place to represent itself. Why? 
Why do we find here by the Osgimo, by the real expression of Kalim that are going to contain the light so that we can properly choose to find the light within the concealment? Why is it that that's synonymous or equivalent to the heaviness of the camel? And this Rav Kook goes back on what we discussed last week, where it's not a cause and effect wherein Hashem conceals his light and only then we find concealment, but rather the concealment of the light is the concealment itself, that the removal of the light is the giloy of the kalim themselves. And Rav Kook says it explicitly here, because the degrading and the descent of the levels from Aleph to base to Gimel is in and of itself the cause of the manifestation of the of matter and kalim. Geniza sa'ekus the concealment of quality in its truest form, in the unified sense of quality, in the philosophical sense that the Rambam talks about it, the concealment of that quality is in and of itself the revelation of quantity, the revelation of difference. Shikiata ora, the setting of the sun, is what forms the darkness. It's not that without the sun, ah, then we find darkness, but the descent of the sun into concealment is in and of itself the birth of darkness. The degradation and the sense of levels from Aleph to Beis and the formation of the Kli for the sake of Bechira that we find in the Oskimel is exactly what causes the heaviness of the Gamal, the heaviness of the camel. The Hagaron and the descent and the degradation and the subtraction and here Rav Kook is saying something profound that we don't even have nearly enough time to begin to discuss, but this descent of levels, this degradation into concealment from one to two to three, brings in its wake an addition. It brings in its wake a deeper sense of multiplicity. Now we're going to have four and five and six, and numbers that are adding upon themselves, complicating and concealing the simple unity. Here we find something deeply Rabbi Nachman-esque within Rav Kook, that the tachlis and the achtus is pashtus, that the one is pashut. Anything past the one, anything past the aleph, is already the beginning of complications. And this complication of being, this bakshu chashronos rabos, this mistaken sense that we have that we need the complications in order to satisfy ourselves, hagaron meviyasatosefes, it's rooted in the garon, it's rooted in the, in the lack, in the descent from unity. Shakol hamosif goreya, that anybody who adds is in fact attracting, because by adding we separate the simple unity that exists. But Rav Kuk goes on and ends this letter with something very important. He says, although the descent of the levels and the manifestation of Orot and Kalim for the sake of Bechira, for the Mishkal, for the Mitkala, for the Mishpat, for there to be Mida Bemida of Ra and Tov and an Eitzadas, Tov Ra, V'chule, V'chule, and all of those things that are necessary to prepare human beings to be able to act on the stage of creation through their own volition, which implies a certain necessity of failure. Ein Sadik Ba'aretz Asher Yasa Tov V'chule that this Yerida, HaYerida Hazos, this descent, Meviya hi gamkein es ha'avta'a ma she'ein ha'machshava ha'brura mirasha es eskalusa v'higlamusa. This descent, this degradation, this moving away from unity into multiplicity, into concealment, this moving away from or where there's no Bechira, into the space of Choshech where there is Bechira, this Nesira, this separation, which at first seems like a traumatic surgical removal from a dependent relationship towards a more mature, separate, yet independent and fundamentally deeper relationship, brings with it a much 
deeper expression, an expression that the clear, the clarified thought, that all-encompassing thought, that infinite thought of the Aleph and Bays would not have allowed to be revealed. There needs to be a concealment, like we said, of the or so that there can be a revelation of Metzius. If the or is too strong, then Metzius has no place to exist. The symptom was only for the sake of revealing existence. So the gimel allows us now to be metapel, to operate on a space or a field in creation where we can actually now engage. So this yurida brings with it something that would have been unexpressible beforehand. It brings with it the capacity of bechira. It brings with it the capacity of failure and in turn success. It brings with it the capacity of svekos and in turn a deeper level of vade from within the svekos. It brings the possibility of Ra, but it also gives us the ability to transform and be metkafe and be metapech the Ra into Tov, like the Balatanya says. It gives us the ability to transform the Mariru into Matiku, to be the Balechuva who operate within the space of concealment, Dafka there, to show that Afal Pikain, even though it's Hastir Astir, and I'm screaming, I am a Kom Kavodo, even there in the Tachtis Atachtios, in the space of separation, I can still reveal HaKadosh Baruch, who's something that would have been utterly impossible had Hashem not concealed himself. Gay, depth, omek, mal, dibor, speech. Rav Kook here is breaking up the word gimel. He's saying gay, which means depth or gehinom, the, the descent, the depths, which means intensity and experience and negativity and concealment. Mal, language, speaking. Only through this amkus, only through this descent, only through this degradation of levels do we come to a place of actually beginning to open our mouths. Like we said, by the Aleph, there's no speech, there's only translation. It's too incomprehensible to open our mouths. By the Bays, we begin to get a sense that we can say something, that we're our own individualized creature. By the Gimel, we actually begin to be able to speak. We're now nigmal. We're now removed and weaned off of our mothers, off of that infantile sense of spirituality. And now we actually have the ability to say something. Ke'en ha-chashmal, and Rav Kook here is utilizing Kabbalistic Lashon, the chashmal that Yechezkel Hanavi saw, the Klipa Sanoga, which is like the Balshemtov and Sadiqim tell us, chash and mal, silence and speak. It's contained within one that this chash, this chashut, the silence which gives birth to speech. Itim chashot v'itchin mamlot. Times of silence and times of speech. I want to just spend a minute now, a minute, mamish, because I like keeping the shirim to 45 minutes, discussing other places that Rav Kook and other tzaddikim who learned from Rav Kook or Rav Kook may have learned from discuss this connection of the os gimel and the notion of the gamal and the notion of the camel, which represents a descent into midbariyut, into the desert exilic experience of concealment, yet allows for an elevation that comes afterwards. Like the shape of the camel, which is ups and downs, ups and downs, that when you think you're going up, up, it goes back down again, but that descent allows for a deeper ins- ascent afterwards. We find so often by the camels that we resort to the shiduchim of our avos and avos ha'olam. Now, for the sake of brevity, it would take a, a month to explain this, but Rav Kook in Olos Raya, in the back of Chelek Aleph, where he has his Kavanos for Purim, there's a famous teaching by the Rosh Kevos Megillah, where he describes that Megillah is the same osios as Legima, which is drinking, and it has a connection to the Os Gimel, and Rav Kook has an Arichos there, where he talks about the association of the camel and the legs of the camel and the avoda of the camel to the avoda of Purim. But like we said, suffice it to say that 
Purim is the Nasira, is the time of separation for the sake of a deeper connection, which is the same avoda of the camel, which is representative of the descent into exile for the sake of an eventual elevation out of exile. Rav Hutner, Rav Hutner Zatzal in, in Mamre Pachar Yitzvak on, on Sukkis, in Maimur Memzayan, he says something as follows. He says, In the famous Rav Hutner-esque type of Lashon, that we can't refrain ourselves from revealing a certain gift here. Chazal have told us, Someone who sees a camel in their dream, That a person was punished with death from heaven, and he was saved from it. And this is in Brachos Nunvav. Gemara, the source in the Gemara for this notion is from the Pasuk Anochi Ered Imcha Mitzrayim of Anochi Aalecha Gam Allah that I am going to descend with you into exile I'm going to create Kalim, I'm going to create concealment, but don't worry I will also bring you out. And the Gemara goes on to say, according to Rashi that the reason we can learn this about the camel from this Pasuk is because the Pasuk Gam Allah also sounds like Gamal, because the camel, Rav Hutner says, represents this descent for the sake of Ascent. It represents the fact that in spite of the fact that there's an exile of Kalim and multiplicity, we still have the ability to return back. And last but not least, here we're going to be looking at a Rav Nachem Mendel of Shklov, Taman Mufek of the Vilna Gon, in a recently, not recent, a few years, printing of Biure Haramam to Osios. At the end of, uh, at the end of Os Gimel, he says as follows. He says, this is the secret of a person who sees a camel in their sleep, Misa Niknasa, that they've been punished with death and they've been saved from it. Like the Pasuk says, Ein marin lo libo, that a person in their dreams in a in a deeply Psycho, psychoanalytic type of interpretation, what a person sees in their dreams. I shouldn't say psychoanalytic. Freud, Freud took it from, from the Gemara. Freud took it from, from Chazal, and as Elliot Wolfson so beautifully depicts in his book on dreams. We only show a person in their dreams what they've thought during the day. And the secret of the dream is the removal of consciousness and the removal of spiritual awareness and wisdom. And doing anything with an actual conscious effort. And all that remains is the imagination. Show that remains connected to the individual and their source. And this camel that a person sees represents the idea of gam, of also. That we've been able to transform the nachash, the snake, into the mata, like we know by Moshe Rabbeinu, the avoda of being mahapech, the nachash, into the mata, which according to the Vilna Gon was the deepest avoda of Moshe Rabbeinu to be mahapech tov in Torah. And this Indian of Gam, which is the same Osios in Gamal and Gimel, which is Gam Zulatova, that also this, that which appears to be a removal from the good is also good. And Nacham Ish Gamzu, Gamzu, also this, and Gam Charvona Zachar Latov. That Gam comes to show us that the addition, even that which seems like a descent, is in fact an ascent. And Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel was capable of saying, Gamliel, that Hashem is also for me. And all of this is deeply connected to the Osgimel and all the letters that follow, because this descent that we find now is only for the sake of an ascent. And the concealment that we're going to experience with the formation of the Osios all the way through Tuf are only there for us to deepen our experience and our connection to Baruch Hu.